All right, welcome to afternoon tea time. Um, we're back after a two-year hiatus. Um, I guess I just wanted to make this episode primarily as a sports fan of football of the Green Bay Packers. So obviously this episode isn't going to be for everybody. But uh, if you've been following... Uh, the Green Bay Packers are in a transition period. We lost Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's not like I didn't see it coming. I really thought it was going to happen a couple years ago after, after we lost the second time in the a NFC Championship game to the... <laughs> Goddamn 49ers again. Uh, I mean, really, the writing was on the wall when they drafted Jordan Love. And who would have thought, after that draft, that Aaron Rodgers was going to go back-to-back -back MVP seasons. I mean, arguably his first MVP was much more deserving than the second. I think that one was sort of uh, debatable. Could have gone to Tom Brady. Uh, but still, you can't argue with the results of those, last, of those first two seasons after that particular draft. Um, so anyway, I, I, I want to reflect on the period of Aaron Rodgers. This is more, I think this episode's more for me, uh, if anything, just to reflect back on that period of, fuck, what was it, like 15 years, 16 years of Aaron Rodgers' dominance uh, for the Green Bay Packers. So this is sort of a cathartic thing for me <laughs> uh, to kind of think, think back on this, because, fuck, there were so many great moments in that time span. And the thing that kind of irks me now that it's all said and done and now that he's with the Jets, uh, was there was a whole bunch of people within the fan base that were that were so happy to move on from Aaron Rodgers, which I I really don't understand. Cause I mean you're 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 moving away from arguably the best player in franchise history who is still winning games and still playing at a top level and everybody was so eager to get rid of him. I mean, a lot of a lot of people were complaining about. They were complaining about, I guess, the way he was conducting himself off the field and the drama around it. But really, who's paying attention to that? When when it comes down to it, when he's playing in the season, that motherfucker is dominating the field. Unlike a lot of people who have ever played that position were ever able to do. So I guess we'll see what happens with Jordan Love. Um, I think I don't know. I'll, I'll get I'll get into what I think of Jordan Love in a, in a little bit. But uh, 2008. I, I guess I want to go back to when he first became a starter because I I still remember that period very well. I was in high school, and oh God, what was that? I want to say it was 2007. Watching. The Packers in that, I think it was the NFC Championship game, 
and obviously then Brett Favre was still the starter. We're in the NFC Championship game, and we're playing against the goddamn New York Giants, who I think at that point were a wild card team. And it was, it was played in Lambeau Field like so many <laughs> NFC Championship games have since then. And it came down to that fucking field goal that put the Jets over the top. And uh, as everybody knows, they went on to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots and won their, I think at that time, it was the second time they had beaten the Patriots in the whatever time span, but it was also the second time they had, they had beaten the Packers in the playoffs to get to that point, which was super heartbreaking. I remember, I remember watching that game and I was I was so sure, I was so fucking sure they were gonna make it back to the Super Bowl. And I had I, the feeling was if they if they make it to the Super Bowl, they beat the Patriots and Brett Favre gets his second. After God, who knows how many years? Because man, reflecting even back on that, the last time Brett Favre had been to the Super Bowl was against the Denver Broncos. And John Elway, and that was a repeat because the previous year, Super Bowl 32, they had beaten the Patriots. And fuck, I don't even remember what year that was. I know I was super, super, super young at that point. Uh, I don't even remember watching that Super Bowl. I'm sure I probably did. No memory of it. It was too fucking young. And the same with the, the year after when they went back against the Broncos. I think I kind of vaguely remember it, but. Not enough to really enjoy the memories of it. Uh, anyway, going back to this game, I was so sure. I was so fucking sure they were going to make it. And of course, another heartbreaking loss. And then the drama happened. Uh, I mean, kind of going back over it now, it really sounded like... Because, I mean, at that point, they had already drafted Aaron Rodgers three years beforehand. And he had sat back on the bench... Uh, waiting for his time and obviously um, Ted Thompson GM who had picked up Aaron Rodgers in the draft wanted to see what he had in his first rounder so obviously it's one of those scenarios where you got an aging quarterback and you got this young gun looking to take over the franchise and I remember when that transition hap happened and Brett Favre announced his retirement and, God, I don't really remember how I felt about the retirement. But, you know, when somebody retires, they're like, all right, now you're, you're moving on. You have, a new, you have a new prospect. You're kind of excited to see what's going to happen there. Um, I probably didn't think too much of it at the time because I was still in high school, worried about other whatever bullshit going on in my life at that point. But uh, when Brett Favre came back and said he was unretiring again for the nth fucking time, uh, the expectation was then was he was going to be the starter. He was going to come back. Aaron Rodgers was going to do whatever the fuck he was going to do, probably opt to get traded to go somewhere else. But the thought behind it at the time was you, you still have a dude, the the gunslinger, playing at an exceptionally high level. I mean, we, we had just come out of a NFC championship game, even though it was a loss. How, how can you move away from that? Um, but ultimately, obviously, he was traded to the Jets at the time. And I remember thinking, like, what the fuck are we doing here? This guy that is 
who has held the Packers on his shoulders for fucking 15 years, and we're just going to toss him aside. Like, all right, thanks for thanks for all the wins. Get the fuck out of here. God, I remember being so bitter at that time. And, like, who the fuck is this Aaron Rodgers guy? He, he hasn't proven shit. Like, why why are we moving on from a sure bet to this? At the time, I think everybody thought it was a risky play. And, of course, I wasn't watching as much play camp stuff or preseason games as as much as I do now to really understand what potential was there. <laughs> and obviously there was a tremendous amount of potential, but that feeling of bitterness going into that first season was tremendous. And obviously, as history has shown, um, it was for the better, arguably. I, it's not even arguably, it's undebatable that it was for the better. And man, how many, how many great memories of Aaron Rodgers' dominance through those through, through those years. And kind of thinking back, I mean, the first two years weren't anything incredible. I mean, the first year, you know, he's playing as a first-year starter. I don't remember if they had a winning record, but they were definitely winning games. Um, I don't think it was a playoff season, but I, I remember watching a few of those games and the flashes were there and and obviously this was a this was a guy that was going to be really good so all the feelings of contempt towards the organization had kind of melted away through that season and sure enough uh 2 years after his first start uh the 2010 season even though that season wasn't particularly great i mean it started off all over the fucking place uh but they they ended the season really strong ended up getting a wild card spot and then uh, you know, they, they're going to the Super Bowl two years into the reign of Aaron Rodgers. And fuck, uh, what a Super Bowl that was against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And I remember watching that game in my dorm room. It was my first year of college, my second semester. And uh, I built this entertainment system in my dorm room. And I'd hosted a whole bunch of my friends to come watch, it, uh, watch the Super Bowl in my room. And uh, it went kind of nuts after after that after after that win. Uh, the only thing I sort of regret was I didn't celebrate harder. I mean, I celebrated pretty pretty hard, uh, but I mean, if you had asked me then, if you had asked me then. Uh, would the Packers go back to the Super Bowl and win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers? I would have bet all my money on yes. The dude's still super young. He's in his he's in his what mid twenties at that point, and playing at the level that he was, uh, as dominant as that as the Packers were at that time, I I would have I would have bet at least uh, at least one more Super Bowl appearance. <laughs> I mean, shit, the next year they went on a 14-game uh, win streak to open the season. Absolutely dominant form. And, and then to lose in the, in the playoffs in such a heartbreaking way again. And I really thought it was going to be a, a two-peat season. But we never did. The Packers never made it back to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And, I, God, I feel like it's such a, 
I feel like it's such a wasted opportunity, actually with both quarterbacks. And I mean, you think about it, how many how many franchises have had a 30-year stretch of dominance with two fucking quarterbacks and only have two Super Bowls to show for it? It feels like such a goddamn wasted opportunity and a waste of talent. Uh, it's such a disservice, too. I feel like it's a disservice, too, uh, particularly... Uh, those quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, uh, to just waste waste all that talent and not get at least a couple more Super Bowls out of it uh, for both players. And I don't even know who, who you could really blame that on, if there is even any blame to go around. I just remember during that, after that, 2011 season it just felt like the Packers defense just got progressively worse and the offense was playing at a very dominant level but we can never we can never get a defense to match the 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 quality of the offense and sure the Packers would go out there and they would put up these crazy high scoring games but we never had a defense uh, that could stifle the opposing offense. So they always ended up being high-scoring affairs on both sides, which, I mean, as a as a fan, it's arguably really entertaining to watch, but they always came down to these, to these unnecessary nail-biters of a finish that didn't have to be there. If we had an adequate defense, this should have been, this should have been our own sort of dynasty, the Packers dynasty, um, at the helm of which would have been Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy at the time. His play calling was was really aggressive and really good, but it's hard to know if it, if that aggressive style was because our defense was such dog shit for so long, or if that's just how we would have operated even if we had a fully functioning team at the time. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh Oh, God, think uh, some nostalgia trip here, thinking about that early era Aaron Rodgers team. God, the offense at the time was just remarkable, thinking about some of those receivers that were on the the team all at the same time. Uh, Donald Driver, sort of at the end of his career. Uh, Greg Jennings, dominant form at the time. Uh, James Jones, just ridiculous talent in the slot. Uh, you have a super young Jordy Nelson who's already showing uh, just ridiculous flashes of brilliance. I mean, I've going through his career, just making some of the most ridiculous body contorting catches I've ever seen uh, a player make. Uh, and then you also have Jermichael Finley, who I think his name has kind of faded off. Uh, but at the time, before he got injured, I mean, he was super solid tight end. And that core of receivers was just a crazy, potent threat. Every single one of them was just a ridiculous playmaker, can make plays from anywhere, uh, just spreading deep. I mean, it goes to explain uh, just why the Packers' offense is so potent at the time. Um, and then defensively, at the, who'd you have at the time? You have Clay Matthews, AJ Hawk. Um, I don't, I don't remember if we had. God, it's kind of hard to remember some of the uh, secondary players at the time. Nobody really stands out. Oh, uh, Charles Woodson, 
obviously. <laughs> Maybe the only good secondary player we had at that time, but I don't really remember. But anyway, going through the years, all those nail-biter games, there's definitely a few that really stick out in the mind that I think you could drum up as just ridiculously heartbreaking. Arguably, if they had won those games, uh, obviously Super Bowl, Super Bowl bound, and um, God, it's sort of a toss-up who would have won the Super Bowls in those cases by just the fact that they could have made it to another Super Bowl would have been just good enough at the time. That, uh, the first one that stands out in my mind is the playoff game Packers versus the Cardinals. And that ridiculous comeback uh, at the end of regular time. And what, we're down by a, we're down by a touchdown there's barely any time on the clock. <laughs> and what does Rodgers do? They, they start back basically in their own end zone. And he fucking bootlegs out. Tosses up a Hail Mary to Jeff Janis. Catches that first Hail Mary. And I mean, you, I mean, you cut the field in half, but still there's no time on the clock. And you still have to toss up another Hail Mary to tie the game. And... I think the first one was already crazy enough, but I think everybody's expectation was that still the Cardinals have won the game. There's no way he's going to pull off another ridiculous throw like that. But what does he do? Next fucking play does the same exact fucking thing. Bootlegs out again, fucking tosses up in the air to Jeff Janis again in the fucking end zone. Oh my god. I lost my fucking shit. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was so wild. I I was sitting was sitting in the fucking living room watching this game, just losing my fucking mind. I was watching this game by myself, it didn't matter. I was uh I lost my fucking shit. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe we had tied that fucking game and you kinda get that. You kinda well this is what's so unfair about this era. <laughs> of the Packers is it's God, it always feels like it 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 gives you fucking heart palpitations of how close these goddamn games were. Cause as soon as you kind of admit defeat, finally you're like, alright, the game's done, you're kind of settling into you're you're settling into the heartbreak a little bit. And then something like this happens and it brings it back. You're like, oh my God, why are you giving me hope? Uh, now you, you get that you kind of get that surge again in the in the in the pit of your stomach. Like oh, this could happen. We we could win this fucking game. Goes in the overtime. Uh, Cardinals get the ball, and that fucking goddamn and th this kind of just shows the quality of the defense. Uh, you got you have all these clutch moments of the offense, very memorable, and the def. This is this is what it is. You're super ecstatic when the offense is on the field, and you're. It's just heartbreak when the defense goes on. It's sort of like a mood swing, in a way. Always elated when the offense is on the field, and you're just fucking absolutely pissed off every time the defense takes the field. It's just this crazy swing of emotions. Every fucking game, every fucking weekend, but, I mean, in these big play moments, God, you can't help. But feel that exact that exact swing. You get that elation. Two consecutive Hail Marys. 
to tie the fucking game, to send it in the overtime, and get the exact fucking polar swing of just, you, you can't fucking believe it, you're fucking pissed off again, that little surge of hope you had immediately crushed by Larry Fitzgerald catching that fucking ball and running it down through the fucking, through all these fucking Swiss cheese fucking holes of the defense, all the way to their fucking red zone, and next play, the fucking put the game away. Knock the Packers out again. <sighs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> I remember as that was happening, uh, a friend had come over to the house, and I don't remember what she was showing up for. She had she was picking something up. I think her dad was with her for some reason. And I was just after that happened, I was just not in a sociable mood. <laughs> and she was trying to introduce me to her dad, and uh, they were just chit chatting on something, and I could just give two fucks about it. I wanted I wanted to go upstairs and fucking cry. It was just so heartbreaking. Oh my god, and it, it's one of the. It, in those big moments when you got that polar opposites when you can't just help but sit there and just feel completely fucking numb that the season came down to this, to this fucking moment, and to have just an earth-shattering, earth-shattering loss. God, and then you have, to, you have to sit and percolate on it for a few days. And the worst part about it was uh, the people I was living with at the time, um, you know, they were going to let me hear about it. Of course, one of them's a Vikings fan, and he was the, you know, he was beating the drum around the fucking house for probably too long, but whatever. I'll give it to him. You know, you, you go through the season of getting your ass whooped by the Packers every year for consecutive years. I mean, this is sort of his his only chance to, to get back in me. I mean, I can't really make fun of him other than every single day for being a Vikings fan and having... At that point, just an absolute dog shit of a team uh, outside of. Oh, okay, I guess I, I'll give credit at that point. I mean, uh, Adrian Peterson was <laughs> uh, was a dominant horse. I mean, to really speak volumes of just how bad the Packers' run defense was at the time. It, was, it, it always seemed like when we played the Vikings in that period, uh, AP was doing his goddamn best to run 200 yards on the Packers' every single fucking time they played and every single fucking time i mean the packers knew ap was going to be that fucking he was going to be busting out of those fucking holes and it never seemed like they could do anything about it always sort of frustrating but anyway uh heartbreaking game number one the second one that really sticks out in my mind was against i think that was the 2016 season against the Seattle Seahawks in that miraculous fourth quarter comeback that should have never fucking happened. And, God, I remember this one, uh, God, so vividly, too, because I'd gone to watch the game with a with a buddy at uh, Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> out of all places, to watch the game, mostly because we knew that no one was going to be there to watch the games because Outback Steakhouse kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> Uh, the food's not great, the, as the atmosphere isn't the best, but uh, they have a bar, and they have TVs around the bar to watch the game, and we knew no one was going to be there, so it was going to be a nice, you're going to, we're going to eat this really shitty blooming onion, and some second-rate 
deep fried shrimp. Uh, but it didn't matter to me because we were the Packers were playing playoff game against the Seahawks, and I was super optimistic. Was that was that another NFC Championship game? Fuck, it feels like it. What I do know is they 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 went off the uh, they went on to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and of course everybody remembers the the crazy one yard pick to Malcolm Butler to seal the game for the Patriots. Just give it to Marshawn. But I think that particular season, the Packers had already played the Patriots earlier that season, and they had beaten them. And I, and I think the thought was going into this game was if the Packers beat the Seahawks and go on to play the Patriots, the Packers win that Super Bowl almost undoubtedly. But of course that, and through that game, the first three quarters, the Packers were they were doing what everybody sort of expected them to do against the Seahawks in this game, uh, which was dominate. And there was a particular waitress that was working at Outback at the time who was wearing her Seahawks jersey. And I was talking mad shit to this girl for three quarters. I was I was unrelenting every time she'd walk by. Uh, just give her a nice little reminder of how much her team sucks. And I was going full bore into that. I, I think I was a little drunk too. And I was just I was just super stoked that the game was going was trending in the right direction and they were going to go back to the Super Bowl. But then the fourth quarter happened and everything fell apart. Ugh. And it's not like the Packers didn't have a chance to still seal it in the fourth quarter regardless of the comeback that was ensuing. But it really came down to that goddamn onside kick and that, I don't even remember the player's name, but as that onside kick was happening, it's almost, it feels like such a traumatic event because even thinking about it, I think about it in slow motion. <laughs> like you hear people in fucking car accidents like, yeah, we're flipping. The car was rolling and everything was happening in slow motion. It, that's exactly what it was. It was a fucking on-field car wreck. Watching that ball bounce up, Jordy Nelson's behind the ball. He's ready to catch it. He's ready to catch it, fall on the ground. That's it. The fucking comeback is over. The Packers win the game. And this fucking, with this comeback that should have never happened to begin with. But that motherfucker decides to step in front of the ball and try to be the hero. And watching it bounce off his fucking chest, off his fucking hands as he's jumping up to try to finagle the ball somehow. It's like moments like that where I can't believe, I can't believe there wasn't somebody else that could have been drafted or picked up in free agency over this player that knows how to catch a fucking football. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like all there's like a there's a, such a small percentage of people that make it into the NFL that are, can be regarded as pro football players. What is it like one point one percent of point one percent, some dumb bullshit number like that? You'd almost expect all these players to at least be able to catch a goddamn football Ugh, and not crack into the pressure because you know these guys have been playing for fucking ever. They've played in college. They've played in, a, in, a, in front of a whole bunch of people. But even regardless, he doesn't catch the ball. Just get out of the fucking way. 
how hard of a job assignment is that? You know Jordy's there. That's probably what it was. If it goes that way, give it to fucking Jordy. Let him catch the goddamn ball. That's all he does. That's all the guy does. He gets paid to catch balls. He isn't going to drop that ball if it hits him in the chest. Ugh. I still get kind of fired up talking about it. Because <laughs> that waitress came right back at me. And she was just as unrelenting as deservedly so. I think I spent the rest of that day drunk out of my fucking mind. Couldn't believe it. Another season wasted. I think that was a solid season for the Packers too. Just another one of those seasons where it's like, if we make it there, how could this not be a, a Super Bowl win? We were playing good football that year. Ugh, hurts my fucking brain. But anyway, moving on. I mean, those are the two that really stand out in my in my mind. But among countless seasons of close games and exciting games and uh, so many missed opportunities, but exciting nonetheless. I guess that's really what I would sum up the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay being. It was just ridiculously fun to watch as a fan. It really was. With all the highs and lows, all the high-scoring affairs, all the missed opportunities. But, I mean, as a, as a fan, as a fan of the sport and as a fan of this particular franchise, it's... I mean, you couldn't ask for a better... You couldn't ask for more entertainment than what we got. All the nail-biters, all the all the ridiculous throws and catches. I mean, uh, all, I mean, Hale Rogers, right? All those ridiculous Hail Marys that somehow were completed. Like, going into halftime against the Giants, and he throws up that Hail Mary, and you got a sea of Giants in in front of the ball in the end zone and who catches it? Randall Cobb in the back of the end zone to put up another score before halftime. Or that ridiculous Hail Mary throw uh, to end the game, walk-off touchdown against the Lions uh, goes right into the midst of Richard Rodgers. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I feel like a lot of that is just luck but entertaining nonetheless. Uh, but moving on to his last two seasons with the Packers. Now you got they, they draft Jordan Love. Obviously, you know, he's he's aging in the last few years before those two back-to-back MVP seasons and the release of Mike McCarthy, and then you're bringing on Matt LaFleur. Uh, weren't the greatest showings. But those two MVP seasons, those really did feel like the last, the last, they were the last chance, it felt like. The first one was close, and I felt like if our... God, what were we missing that year? I don't... Was that the special teams year? Uh, I mean, we... First year, Matt LaFleur's head coach, you, you go 13-1. and one, Or no, 13 and whatever. 13-3. and three. Uh, You're going back to... You're, you're in the playoffs first time in a, in, a, in a while in such a dominant position. You're the number one seed... I think, at the time, uh, you go to the NFC Championship game and you lose whatever the way we did. Which really sucks, but 
you know, it is what it is. And then you lose Devontae Adams, and you're like, fuck. And at that point, I, I mean, there was already a lot of discussion that he was going to be moving on, and we already drafted Jordan Love, and you got that whole narration. But at the time, it really felt like, at the very least, there was one more season. There was one more season there. And of course there was. He came back, he played brilliantly. Played very good with the new with the new receivers that he had. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, whom I think will go on to be really great players. I'm actually more excited for Romeo Dobbs than Christian Watson. I think Romeo Dobbs has some flashes of being really elite talent at some point if he if he can make it over whatever hurdles he has to make over to get to that point. But it was definitely that second NFC Championship loss to the 49ers. I guess that that must have been the one when our special teams was just pure dog shit. But, I I mean, I I can blame the special teams for playing dog shit in that game, but it's still your home field advantage NFC Championship game in Lambeau Field. And you have the elements on your side. It's a little snowy. It's cold. But the offense didn't show up. I guess that was our last year with Devontae, wasn't it? But we we didn't show up. That should have been our game to take, and that that felt like the last season. That felt like the door had closed at that point. And honestly, I thought that was Aaron Rodgers' last season with the Packers as well. And I didn't think he was going to retire, but I thought at that point he was probably going to get traded, or he was going to request a trade. But you know, you got one more season with him, which was awesome even though it wasn't a, a terribly great season. Uh, it was just one more season with some highlights. You know, at least we got another season of dominating the Bears. And we got to see, uh, at least have some time with some new receivers. But ultimately, when the trade happened, it wasn't it wasn't at all shocking. And if anything... The, it's not really the New York Jets now that Aaron Rodgers are there. It feels more like the, the New York Packers, if anything. And I'll probably be watching twice as many games this season as I did last. I mean, I'll be watching the Packers, of course, but I'll be watching the Jets just to see how Aaron Rodgers does. And I, and I, think, he'll, I think he'll do really well. Uh, it kind of sucks. The, the first time I saw the, his picture, you know, you get the, the player picture and they got the jersey on. And the first time I saw that green and white, <laughs> there it was a bit of a, it was a bit surreal. You kind of get that really weird numb feeling. But I took this transition better than I did with the Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers transition. I'm trying to stay open-minded with Jordan Love. I mean, watching his preseason games um, over the last few years, especially from where he started to where he was last year. I guess I'd more compare it to when he filled in against the Eagles. Uh, there's tremendous amount of improvement from where he was to where he is now. And I, I think realistically, you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers' level production. I, I think he's just in a tier of his own. Like a generational talent. Even I can't even compare Brett Favre in the same category of of what would you even call it like that level of ridiculous playmaking ability with his arm 
I mean, Brett Favre is known for being a gunslinger, but he's still, you know, it was almost like for every two touchdowns, there's going to be an interception in there. But Aaron Rodgers, a TD machine with the lowest touchdown interception ratio of any quarterback ever and throwing it into these ridiculously tight windows with unbelievable accuracy that this is it. Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. And I know a lot of people will get up, would say, you know, arguably that's probably Tom Brady. I would argue that Tom Brady's the most accomplished player ever to play the game, and he is a, an elite level quarterback. But if you put them in a skills test, I think Aaron Rodgers wins that. I, he wins that competition. He's on. He's in a league of his own, and Jordan Love's not going to match that level of production. I don't think. He's not going to, he might be an elite quarterback, I have no idea, but he's not going to be that level of elite. I mean, he's an, Aaron Rodgers is elite of elite. I think Jordan Love's probably going to be good, maybe great, and honestly, that's fine. You can, you can win games, you can win Super Bowls with somebody that's going to be a great player. I think Brett Favre was a great player, and Jordan Love could be a great player. But sort of like Mount LeFleur said, the temper expectations, which I think is only fair. As a first-year starter, you can't expect to go straight to the playoffs. I mean, it does. It, it happens. Lightning strikes. Um, but, you know, for lightning to strike three consecutive times feels highly improbable. The only, the only great thing I can take away from this is at least he has Tom Clements as his QB coach, who worked, you know, he worked with Aaron Rodgers in the beginning of his career. It's hard to know, you know, this is sort of the unknown, right? If with, especially with coaches, like how would a, a player have developed with a different skills coach? And you, you just, you just can't really know. But watching Jordan Love against the Eagles gives me, you know, it, it's. It fills me with some optimism that he's he's going to develop into somebody that's going to stick around for at least a at least a while. And after, I mean, you, you don't really know what talent is truly there until he's played one full season, and then to see him the next season, see what he's implemented and what he's changed up from the prior season. Really, it's just. How quickly can Jordan Love evolve into a competent starter? So that's so that's kind of what we want to see. That's what we're waiting to see. What kind of talent do we have there? But anyway, that's really all I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, some of the just to reflect on a period that's long. That's you know that chapter's closed. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Who knows how many more years he's going to play. And then the Aaron Rodgers era will officially be over. And hopefully when he does retire, he doesn't pull a Brett Favre and <laughs> start stealing a whole bunch of money from poor people. <laughs> uh, who, who the fuck knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do once he's retired. He's probably going to open up an ayahuasca shop down in South America somewhere. And in his mind in the 
fifth dimension still throwing pigskins to some fucking entity on that side of the on that side of the psychedelic wall, I guess. But who the fuck knows? It was fun while it lasted. I can only hope. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of trash talking. If, if anything happens this year, I, I, I kind of want the Lions to be the new NFC uh, title contenders way more over the Bears and the Vikings. Because fuck them. Um, but anyway, it, it, I think this season's going to be fun to watch. Not a, It will be interesting to watch is what I'll say. But anyway, that's that's all I have for this week. Uh, probably not the best episode put out, but it, a nice, it's kind of nice to get back out there and talk a little bit. It's been uh, cathartic, if anything. Um, I think next week, next week I kind of want to talk about Ukraine war and all that craziness that's been going on there. Uh, some of the footage that's come out and I think... Um, might be a might be something fun to talk about but i don't know this one was sort of a kind of impromptu get back into it uh, kind of feel it out again and, and honestly doing i'm looking at the time here this has been 40 minutes and probably 40 minutes of dog shit but <laughs> uh that's fine we'll work on it uh we'll work on getting the voice back a little bit uh kind of develop develop uh, develop it from there. It's weird kind of just talking by myself out here. Um, it, and trying to put all the thoughts together. And Anyway, I'm tangenting for no reason. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. And we'll bullshit a little bit about Ukraine. And uh, have, a, have a wonderful day. See you guys later.